curious to see what God did out there. We like to start out with a testimony every single morning. So this morning we have Rosa Mendes testifying. Let's give her a hand, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Uh, give it a clap for Jesus this morning. Amen. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Uh, this morning I would like to share uh, two testimonies in one. Uh, on Friday night we start um, preaching in the Boricua Fest. And on the way to the Boricua Fest, I really, really have a really um, earache that was terrible, terrible, terrible on my way to, to church, on my way here. And then uh, I thought, well, should I go? Should I stay at home? It's, I, I really had a, a really bad uh, earache. But I thought, no, I'm going to pray for by myself. And then I pray, I rebuke that pain, and I declare healing in my, in my body, in my ear. And um, when I came here, I, I didn't have the, the earache anymore. Um, and then I thought, oh, oh, I already forgot about this ear, um, earache uh, pain that I had. But when we were in the, in the Boricua Fest, uh, the Friday night, uh, one soul was saved. And I thought I had a purpose. That is why uh, the devil wanna, um, brought me back home. But I stay faithful. And that is uh, the verse that I brought this morning. I, I know that everyone has faith because I know you, you weren't here this morning, but everyone has a different measure of faith. And the faith says, uh, according to Hebrews 11, one says that now faith is the confidence in what we hope for an assurance about what we do not see. That is faith. And that is that faith that uh, uh, made me pray for my, by myself and believe that God is going to take that pain away. And that is what happened. I don't know what you're waiting for, but I want to encourage you to have faith. Faith in the Lord. Because when uh, Peter jumped in the water, he didn't hesitate about walking in upon the waters. He, he says, can I walk? And the Lord says, yes, come on. And he started walking. And that is the Lord is able to do this morning for you guys. Keep your faith in the Lord. Amen? Okay. Father God, I come before you, Lord, praying for your body, Lord, the body of Christ, Lord, your body, Lord. I pray, Lord, that faith arise this morning in every one of them, oh, Lord. I don't know what they are waiting for, Lord, but they need to trust you, Lord, because you're worthy to be trusted. You are our God, and you are a mighty God who can do the, from the impossible, the possible things. You are not a God of little things. You are a mighty God, and you can do mighty things in your body, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, MP, I put your hands together this morning. It's a happy day today because Jesus is alive. Greatest day in history, death was beaten, Jesus rescued me. Somebody singing out if you know. Watch my 
listen. The greatest day in history. Death was beaten. Did Jesus rescue me? Somebody shout if you know he's alive. Oh, there's an empty cross and an empty grave. Life eternal. Because Jesus won the day. I want to hear you scream.
Father, because you're so good to us. Can you just lift your hands and tell him, you're so good to me. You're so good to me, Jesus.
hand lifted right here. We're going to say, you're a good, good daddy. It's who you are. Say that again. You're a good, good daddy. Come on, make it personal today. You're a good, good daddy. Say, I'm loved. I'm loved by. Spirit say this morning that on Father's Day he wants to heal some of your hearts. Ah. See some of you can't celebrate Father's Day because you didn't have a good father in your life. But I can hear him say right now I want to be that father to you. He's already beginning to heal. It's all over some of your faces. The Holy Spirit's moving right now. Can you feel him? So here's what I want you to do. If that's you and you can say, you know what, Brandon, I want to walk out of here knowing that he's a good daddy. I want to walk out of here healed because I didn't have a good father. He wasn't in my life. He didn't affirm me. He didn't treat me right. He walked out on us when I was young. I didn't know him. But I want to know God like that because he wants to be a good father to me. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. As we worship, I want you to get out of your seat and come across this altar and just lift your hands and surrender every tear, every hurt, every pain that you've ever gone through and experienced because your daddy wasn't there in your life. Come on. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit said he's going to heal you today. All you have to do is move out of your seat and come and surrender it. Lay it on the altar this morning. Lay it on the altar. Just lift your hands and tell them, I give it to you, Jesus. I give it to you, Jesus. Oh, Oh, you're the mender of every broken heart, Jesus. You're such a good daddy, Jesus. Oh, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. Come on, say it. Father, this is who you are. 
Father's Day, Lord, so we're going to tell you how great you are. Come on, say it, great. Great are you, Oh, you're a good daddy, yes you are, and we declare your great. Great I feel breakthrough in this room. I feel deliverance in this room. You are great. you to listen, listen, listen. In Malachi chapter 4, it says that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that the Spirit of God is going to send the Spirit of Elijah back to the earth. And it says this, that he's going to turn the heart of the children back to the Father. Now what I need you to understand is this, that every time Jesus enters in and brings revolution and revival, it will always be preceded by the heart of the children turning back to the Father. He did it first time through John the Baptist in a man who cried out in the wilderness, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? But I believe that Jesus is sending that same spirit back to the earth to prepare the way for the second coming, right? So here's what I want you to understand. Revival can only come when the heart of the children has been turned back to the Father. And I believe the Holy Ghost is doing that today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to lift our hands all across this room, and we're going to prophesy this right here. We're going to say, all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Father's Day Metro Praise, shout it out. All the earth will shout your praise.
to you this morning. Look to your neighbor say, there's good news in this world. And the good news is Jesus. Come on. I'm going to preach to you from John chapter 3, verse 16. How many of you guys know that very popular Bible verse? Come on. What better day than to preach it than on Father's Day? We have a good, good father. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Your heavenly father, a good, good father, made a way for you to come back into relationship with him because we messed it up. And it's only through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, shed his blood. When we accept him, when we believe him, we shall not perish but have everlasting life. And this message is for those of you today who are not right with God. Don't put it off one more moment. You're not promised tomorrow. Fathers, if you're in this room, this message is for you. If you have not been living for Jesus, let today be the day that you start living for the Lord and raising your children his way. And it's not just for the fathers, it's mothers, it's aunts, uncles, grandparents. This message is for everybody. The only way to get to heaven is by being born again, allowing the Spirit of God to make you alive on the inside. And we must repent, ask for forgiveness, turn from our ways, our wicked ways, and live for Jesus. Because he made a way where there was no way. He made it possible. So with all eyes closed all across this room, I want to pray for you today. And if you want to commit your life to Jesus, surrender your all to God, I want you to come into agreement as I pray. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room. We thank you, oh God, for the honor and privilege of standing in your presence. 
And we thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus, to this earth to die a death that we could never die. We could never pay the ransom for our own sin. It was only by the spotless, perfect lamb of God. And I pray that today that people would choose that, that they would believe it so that they will not perish in hellfire, but they would live forever and eternity with you. Let today be the day of their salvation, O oh God. Convict hearts. Draw them to repentance by your loving kindness, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's so good. If you need prayer, you're going to have an opportunity to be prayed for at the end of service. And we're going to have time of hanging out and fellowshipping outside in just a moment. But I just really want to encourage you, if you need prayer, we have leaders in this church to pray with you at the end of the, the message today. Amen. At this time, I want us to confess our confession of faith together. The reason why we do this every week is because this is our Christian worldview. This is the lens in which we see society and us living and how the world is moving. We base it on the scripture. So if you're with me, let's recite this together out loud on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. And the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo, praise him. I want you guys to make your way back to your seats, shake some hands, turn around, give somebody a hug. We're going to have some time in just a moment to hang out outside. Amen, amen. If you guys could grab your seats, we have some special announcements for you this morning. I want to welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. Thank you for joining us on Father's Day. What a great place to be on Father's Day. Aren't you guys excited to be here today? Come on, we want to welcome you guys all here. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday. We have a 10 a.m. service and a 1 p.m. service. This is our family service. We have King's Kids for our children in the back for ages infant to 11 years old. So if there's any children with you, you can bring them on back there. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18 years old. How many young people do I have in the house? She's excited. Come on. It's an awesome place to be for our youth on Friday nights. So we're so excited about what God is doing in their lives. Who was at the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach yesterday? Come on, we give it up for Jesus. Look at that. We had over 100 
people come out, a hundred on fire, radical disciples preaching the gospel at Boricua Fest yesterday. We just want to say thank you, and we want to keep praying for that neighborhood, and we want to keep praying for every single seed that was planted. So give it up for yourselves and for Jesus one more time. God is amazing. So many powerful things happened on the street. And today we're continuing the celebration. So we welcome you guys to our baptism and Father's Day service. How many dads do I have in the house? Just raise your hand. We're going to celebrate you guys today with a steak dinner. In just a moment, we're going to line you guys up outside. You guys get to eat steak and have an awesome meal while we watch the baptisms. It's going to be such a glorious time. And uh, I just want to let you guys know that there's an MPI summer retreat in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Come on next month. Who's excited about going away, kind of getting away from the city for a little bit? It's in Baraboo, Wisconsin, Devil's Lake State Park. We want you guys to start registering right now. It's going to be Friday and Saturday, July 15 and 16, 15 50, sorry, five zero, fifty dollars per person if you want to share a room at the hotel. If you need your own room for your family or if it's a married couple, $150 for the hotel room. This price only covers lodging. Everybody's meals are on their own this year. The registration is July 3rd. So let's start um, registering. You could go to the Facebook event page or the website and look for the Eventzilla link and you could register your family there. Come on. Who was excited to hear about the vision, strategy, and goal? Come on. MPI has an awesome vision of loving God and loving people. Our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to our to the church through our life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to keep winning souls for the Lord. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. How many of you guys get excited when you hear that every week? Come on. Look to your neighbor say, it's time to get connected. Here's a snapshot of our life groups happening this week. If you want the schedule for the full quarter, please turn your handout around. You can look at the different types of life groups that we have, places and times. Find a place to get connected for you and your family. Kicking it off this week is Tuesday, the Resistance Elevate Life Group. <laughs> Woo! 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. They're rocking it out for Jesus. Thursday, gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Join them. It's a powerful time on the streets as they preach the gospel to the lost. And every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies for you. One at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Vivid's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. They're rocking it out for Jesus. So connect throughout the week. You're not out there to live all by yourself for Jesus, feeling all lonely, okay? Don't let the devil make you feel like you're alone. You have a church that loves you, that's opening up their arms, their homes, and saying, get connected. Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Somebody's excited about discipleship. Come on. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that book one-on-one -on -one who are going to invest into your life, pray for you, encourage you, and, uh, you know, push you to be all that God wants you to be. When you graduate the 101, you'll go into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader in the church so that one day you could be ordained as a deacon or an elder and continue to be all that God has called you to be. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say, Send! Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we're preaching the gospel on the streets. If you've never done it, if you missed the opportunity to join us for the Puerto Rican Festival, it's okay. Look to your neighbor and say, it's okay. Because we go out every single week. 
Okay, so if you want to be trained, if you want to be a Marine for Jesus, you want to join these foot soldiers every Saturday from 5 to 8 and share your faith with other people. The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. If you want to be wise, win some souls for the Lord and refresh others so that you can be refreshed. It will really transform your relationship with God and bring you to another level. Say, whole nother level. Okay? So in recap, MPI has a vision, strategy, a goal, vision of loving God and loving people, two greatest commandments that he gave to us, strategy to connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Come on. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings today for the Lord? Come on, it's always an honor that we get to co-labor with Christ on the earth to further his kingdom through our finances. MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church, and we designate offering, offerings towards the missions field and towards the building fund. So we thank you guys for partnering with us so that we could accomplish God's work on the earth, especially in this city and this time. Let's get into the giving lesson from the Disciples Giving Book. You could go to givingbook.org, section 2, lesson 11, if you want to follow along on your phones, or you could just look up at the screen. Lesson 11 today is giving offerings is sharing with others. Say, sharing is caring. That's going to be one of our points today. The offering is a gift to God after our tithe. That is an amount between you and the Lord. We're going to be reading today from Ephesians 4.28. Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work, somebody say work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Here are the three main points. Number one, sharing is caring. Jesus taught his disciples in the same way that they have freely received, they should also freely give. Therefore, offerings are a practical way of sharing with others what God has given to you. So again, let's not be stingy. God wants cheerful givers and generous hearts. Let, uh, let's allow what God gives to us to go through us to be a blessing to the world around us. Number two, work is required. Money doesn't grow on trees, so the way God blesses his people is through the diligent work of their hands, not by stealing or dishonesty. So our hard work can literally change the world one person at a time. We have to work. We cannot be lazy. The Bible says that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So we don't want laziness. God will promote and bless faithfulness and hard work and perseverance. And a lot of times people are like, well, I, I tried tithing and it doesn't, doesn't work. Well, yeah, maybe if you try tithing two weeks, it's not going to work. But try it for two years. Try it for 10 years. Try it for 20 years. Be faithful to the Lord. Work hard with your hands and watch God bless you. And number three, needy people should work too. The Bible doesn't support the idea of handouts, but rather hands up, hands up. So the needy person must learn to work and begin to help others as soon as they can. For example, in places like India, there are needy people working hard to support their families and help others who have greater needs than themselves. Churches and, you know, not-for-profit organizations, are the, especially Christian ones, are the biggest givers. But it's not just about give us giving handouts. God wants us to give you a hand up, teach you how to work hard and be diligent for the Lord. Amen? And the summary is sharing is caring. Let's apply this three ways. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, work hard so you can share with those in need and help them learn how to start working hard to meet their own needs, right? It's a cycle of hands up, not hands out. And number three, share because you care. If that lesson gets you excited, let's confess this. Come on together on the count of three. One, two, three. 
The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. If your treasure is with Jesus in heaven, please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings. Again, MPI believes that the Bible teaches that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly and faithfully to the church. Anything above that, that is an amount between you and the Lord that God puts on your heart to give is considered an offering, which we designate towards missions and towards our building fund. And we want you guys to uh, look at the envelope, make sure your specific amount is very clear on each category so we can allocate those funds properly. Here are four ways you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, on the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You could uh, ask Pastor Griselda for assistance with that today. Number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. And we're so excited about our soul winning summer. Thank you for praying with us to partner, to give. If you have not joined, you guys can still give. That's between you and the Lord. We are changing Chicago and the world one soul at a time. Those are the rest of the Sundays that we have on the calendar to do, to do big outreaches. Your giving is making that possible. And to have our guest uh, music minister, Brandon Hall. How many of you guys enjoy Brandon Halt's ministry? Such an anointing. And our band is, is right there with him. God is doing awesome things, so we thank you for making that possible. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and your blessing and prosperity to our lives. We thank you that you gave first as an example to show us what it truly means to be generous givers. I ask that you bless the gift and the giver this morning. Meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus and help us to be used, God, to to preach the gospel, let the, let the word be preached at the ends of the earth, especially in our city, in the city of Chicago. Use us to be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Please come forward as you give, and we thank you so much for your generosity.
Amen. How many ready to love Jesus some more with the word today? Make some noise. Amen. I have a special guest right here with me today as the lights are coming on. I want to call up my father, Jim Wyrostek, to give a word to the dads. Come on up here. Can I just say something about my dad today? My dad has shown faithfulness to God my entire adult life. He wasn't born a Christian. That's, of course, not, you know, no one's born a Christian. He was born a sinner like everyone else. He was raised in a Roman Catholic family. They taught him some true things about the Trinity and Jesus, but they didn't teach him how to have a personal relationship with God. My dad met the Lord through my mom as they began to date, and then I became their love child. And so I have only known, I have only known my dad as a man of God. I've never seen him drunk. I've only maybe seen him swear once, and maybe that was at me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't even know. I haven't seen him get in a fight with Uncle Bob at the, you know, Uncle Frank at the barbecue. I've seen him faithfully tithe his whole life as a Christian businessman. I wasn't brought up in a pastor's home. I watched him tithe every day, when, you know, every service he went to church. He taught me how to tithe. I watched him love my mom, and I had the front row seat to watching him pray to watching him serve. He did almost everything you could do in the church. He drove the buses to the inner city to pick up the kids. He taught the youth group when they needed a youth pastor. He was a drummer in his college days, and when the church needed a drummer, he became a drummer. He sat on so many different boards, so many different committees. One of the boards I am proud to say that he sat on was a Christian school that was developed in our town. He sat on that board and made it happen. And I don't say that to brag on him because we know it's Christ in him. But I want the fathers to listen today. We need examples. We need examples. So often, fathers, we watch TV, and the dad's always the butt of the joke. He knows nothing. Even the kids are going to teach him a lesson at the end of every episode of some sitcom. And it's so hard to see a dad that's awesome. As a matter of fact, just to give you a mental challenge, let's just think right now, how many of you, don't raise your hands, could name ten awesome fathers? Think about how hard that would be to name 10. Could you name 15? Could you name 20 great dads? I'm telling you, it's hard in this culture. It's hard. But I could ask you men, name me 20 awesome basketball players. Name me 20 awesome baseball players. And you would list them out, and you would list them out, you would list them out. But if I said, name me 20 dads, you might go, well, my dad, maybe my uncle, Maybe my friends, dad, I think they were a good dad. But then sadly, what would we think of? So many that have let us down, broke our hearts, and not had the right examples. And so if I'm a good dad today, which I believe I am, I believe I'm the best. And I'll arm wrestle any dad here to prove it. No, I'm kidding. And if my dad is the best dad and you want to be the best dad, we can only do it through Jesus. So fathers, let us listen to these words. Young men, listen to these words. And women, encourage your husbands by these words. Can I hear an amen and a hand clap for Jim Wyrostek one more time? Uh, praise the Lord, saints. Happy Father's Day, everybody. You know, I was so excited. I got a message from Pastor Joe, your pastor. And he said, I'd like you to share with the men. And I'm going to give you, we got a busy day today. There's a lot going on, got baptisms, everything going on. And he says, uh, you just, just take about 35 minutes. And I said, wait, wait, 35 minutes? That's, I can get it done in 35 minutes. But then I reread the message. And it said, 
three to five minutes. Okay. <laughs> so so I want to pack this all in in three to five minutes, all right? Praise the Lord. That's your pastor. And you got to listen. You got to listen to him. But here's the thing. Men, now, ladies, you can listen, okay, because this is just not for men. This you can listen because you may gain something out of this also. But this is intended to the men. Now, I know we have police officers that come to the church. And what I learned in the past, like through FBI agents and Secret Service people and uh, police officers, when they're after someone and they really want to get a hold of them to arrest them, what they do is they study their mode of operation. That's called M.O. So they study their M.O. because they know that people will do the same things over and over, and they can catch them, and they'll know exactly what to do. So what I figure that we need to know is we need to know the M.O. of Satan. Say M.O. of Satan. The mode of operation. He has a mode of operation, him and his little demons. And they're really good at it. They've been doing it since they got tossed out of heaven. So they're excellent in what they do. But it hasn't changed. Their mode of operation has not changed. So as men and leaders, what we need to know is we need to study this and we need to be aware when things are happening to us. So I'm going to give you a couple. There's only four things. They, but they operate in, in, in excellence in these. So here's the mode of operation. Someone say mode of operation. First thing, the enemy is the, a deceiver. He's a destroyer. He's an accuser. And he wants to be ruler. Now let's repeat that. He's a deceiver. He's a destroyer. He's an accuser. And he wants to be ruler. So what happens? As a deceiver, we know that he's the father of lies. He works in the mind. He wants to get you thinking things that aren't true. His target as the de- uh, as a deceiver is your mind. So you have to always be aware. Something's going on in your mind that isn't according to the will of God. Where's it coming from? It's coming from Satan and his little demons. That's part of his M.O. He's a deceiver. Then as he acts as a destroyer, his target is your body. He throws at you sicknesses. He throws even at your mind and your body at the same time. Sometimes he'll throw in your spirit of depression. That attacks you. That destroys. So when you feel and you see these things coming on you, you've got to say, hey, this is, the, this is the M.O. of the enemy. And you've got to speak to you. You've got to say, devil and your bunch, get away. You've got no business in my life. You have no, no place in my life. By the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, you've got to leave me alone. And say, sickness, you've got to leave. You cannot live in my body. You tell him that. As the accuser, he comes after your heart. He comes after your heart and your conscience. And he begins to say, once you, once you fall into the traps of being deceived, and once you fall into the trap of be becoming destroyed, he begins to accuse you. Ah, you can't be a Christian. You told a lie. You're taking drugs. You're doing this. You're going back. You can't be a Christian. It's impossible. And he begins to accuse you. But you've got to remember, that's the MO. We have an advocate, one who sits at the right hand of the Father that's always saying on your side, saying, oh, he's a child of mine. Father, he's a, 
Uh-uh. Devil, leave him alone. You got the advocate on your side. And now for the big one. He wants to be ruler. And the target there that he goes after is your will. See, God created all of us with a free will. We could, we could choose whatever we want to choose. We could do whatever we want to do, but we're not free to choose the consequences of our action. So the devil, if he can get our will, if he can get our will. See, he even went after Jesus, but Jesus only handled it for a short time. If you remember, just before he was going to the cross, he said, Father, take this, if you could take this away from me. See, the devil was already trying to get at his will. But what Jesus say? He said, oh, God, your will be done. So we've got to always align ourselves up with the will of God. That's what Jesus did. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. When he seen things that were out of line of the will of God in heaven, he brought them back into alignment. So let's say this again with me. See if you remember. Write this down. This is a nugget that you keep for the rest of your life. He's a deceiver. He's a destroyer. He's the accuser, and he wants to be the ruler. Amen? Amen. Sit. Well, let us have all of our fathers stand up and meet me here at the front today. Would you give them fathers as they come down here today? Brandon, would you come to the keyboard, please? My son, Miho. All the fathers come stand in front of me, please. I want to bless you in the name of the Lord. My father-in-law is also here. Many of your family members are here. Thank you, son. Appreciate you. I think that's a good idea. Fathers, get locked arms like these brothers are right here. Lock arms together. Make a row here. Yeah, lock some arms like we're in a huddle. Come on. We're going to huddle up. Come on. Yeah, let's give it up for these men right here. Amen. Don't do a backside huddle. Do a shoulder-to-shoulder huddle. Make some room. You can spread out that way. It goes further, gentlemen. It goes further. It goes further. There you go. Look at your neighbor, men, and go, you're a warrior. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're a man of God. Come on, you can do this. Amen. You can take on the devil's lies. You can destroy the destroyer. You are mighty men of God. You are conquistadors. We have prepared steak for you today. We bought steak knives just for those steaks. We've got A1 sauce. We've got mashed potatoes. Why? Because we want the men today, these fathers, to know you are so special. And so, men, I want you to know this. Though darkness may come upon this land, the light of Jesus Christ shines in you. He shines in your heart. And you may get discouraged every now and then. You may not see any men on your job serving God. They may want you to look at pretty girls walking by. They may want you to laugh at their dirty jokes. But you take a stand on your job. You take a stand with other men and say, no, man, I'm a man of God. I will not fall for the temptations and the lies of that serpent, the devil. You let them know, dirty jokes don't impress me. Cheating on the job doesn't impress me. I'm a man of integrity. I'm a beast when it comes to morality. How you look like in the gym is how I look like in the spirit. My soul is strong. And my belly is fed because I go to my wife every night. Amen. I want a six-pack too, gentlemen, but I want to spend more time with my kids in the backyard than looking at Wade in a gym. Hello? 
Keep your health under control. But I'll tell you what, six-pack won't make you a good husband. Lift your spiritual weights. Can I get a growl from some of you guys? Come on, growl! You're a lion on the inside. You can take on the devil. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions. Look at your neighbor and growl at him. Come on. Amen. Spread out here, Papa P. Come on, spread out. Go down further. He needs to be on next to my dad. Two fathers right here. He's been serving the Lord for a while. Now I want you guys to look up at me. The Bible says I am my brother's keeper. As the way the church will go is dependent upon how you go. You can be a pillar in this house. You can hold up all that God does or you can destroy it and bring it down. The church is no more stronger than it is with its fathers and the men that God has called. We want to thank you as a church for being the men that you've been, for standing strong for morality, loving Jesus and loving people. And so I just want to say to you as a fellow father, if you ever feel discouraged, sweat coming down your brow, others have forsaken you, you feel alone in this world, look over your shoulder. I am fighting with you in the heat of battle. My shield will be raised with you. My sword will be drawn. And I will fight with you until we meet our coming king in Jesus' name. You are not alone. You are with God and his army. And the people of God and the army of the Lord are stronger than this world. Because greater is he that's in us. In us than he that's in the world. Gangbangers need to be afraid of us, not because we carry guns, though some of us do, but they need to be afraid of us because we stand for the truth. We will not walk to the other side of the street. We will not give up our corners. We will not give up our neighborhoods. And we will do it in love and show them how to be real men and lay down their lives for this brotherhood, us band of brothers. Amen. Father, I ask that you bless these men. I take my role seriously to lead them. And though my words, God may have had a little bit of theatrics to them, they were from your heart, from your scriptures. When you wanted to start your church, you picked 12 men, and many of them were fathers, like Peter. And God, you used them to change the world. I pray, God, that these men's lives change. And let that start right now here today. If there's any struggle they're going with, anything they're feeling afraid of, anything they're intimidated by, any bad decisions they feel they're stuck in, anything that's been done to them, I pray it breaks off them and they start new today. And then I pray we as fathers will look to your word every day, our commander-in-chief, our boss, our coach, and say, lead us, great king. Lead us every day. And, Lord, as we go forth, May we see by our side our wives and our children right behind us. May we prosper on our jobs. Bless every man's work, everything that he puts his hand to. May inventive ideas, creative businesses, oh God, industry be built here in this church. Bless and prosper them, Lord. And may we be the pillars you called us to be. And now, men, would you raise your hand? Because raise your hands together. The Bible says, I would, I would that men would raise their hands everywhere. And worship to God without wrath or dissension. Lord, we surrender to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now, would you give a standing ovation to these fathers?
Now, fathers, would you come forward and face the people? Put on some party music. And would you come and greet these fathers right here? Come on and shake their hands. Take a picture with them today. Put on some music, gentlemen, and let's tell these fathers how much we love them. All right, would you grab your seats today in the house of God? I'm so happy you're here. I have a special message to preach to all of my friends and family that are here today. We got baptisms. Is anybody excited about baptisms today? Amen. We are going to be baptizing 25 people. 25 people will be getting baptized today, and the Lord is going to probably have to give me strength because one of those people that I am baptizing is my daughter. I'm going to be baptizing my firstborn child. 
Those of you who may not know how that works for a pastor, I don't exasperate my children. What that means is I don't force them to do anything. I've had them make their decision when they're ready. And she came to me and she said she was ready. I asked her why. She gave me her reason. I asked her then to go back and study with Mama a little bit to make sure that she knew what it meant to be baptized. And she has convinced me as her pastor, as your daughter would, to give me a clear conscience that I am not doing this out of religion. I'm not doing this to make her parents happy. I'm doing this because she's a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so many of you are. 25 will be getting baptized in this service and then uh, 5 in the second service. So make sure you tweet right now. Get to Metro Praise for 1 p.m. if you got any friends or family that are not here now because I'm telling you it's going to be amazing. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is a wonderful place to talk about fathers. And it's going to be a great message for everybody because today's message is now going to go just from earthly fathers, plural, to our Heavenly Father, singular. Everybody go, our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father. Turn with me there to the Lord's Prayer as I say these few words to you here. Words cannot adequately depict what it feels like to be a loving father when you see your child born. And how many fathers can relate to that? Man, when you saw your children born, did that not just change your entire life? Did it just not just really take you to a whole nother level? Mothers start loving their children at conception. The moment they know they're pregnant, it's like, whoo, they're so excited. My wife gets excited every time one of the women are pregnant, and sometimes she even scares me because she'll be downstairs, and she'll find out one of the other women in the church are, are pregnant. She'll be like, ah, and I'll come running down. I'll be like, what's going on? I'm going to kill something. What's up? And then she's like, oh, so-and-so's pregnant. And that's literally how mothers are. They know from that moment of conception a child is there. But let's be honest, fathers, when does it start for us when we see the baby? Like literally, like I was just like, okay, I believe you. There's something in there, and I see the heartbeat on these gray, weird picture things. Looks like an alien's in there. But uh, I, I'm going to wait to see what's really going to be there. And, and for me, when my firstborn child was born, Bethany, she stole my heart at moment one. I never grew up with siblings. I did not know how to be that kind of a person. I was never a babysitter. I was never an affectionate person towards children. As a matter of fact, I had to have real, like, heart-to-hearts with my nephews because I, I tortured them. I did no, there's no other way to call what it, did, what it was. It was torture. My nephew has a traumatic experience because one day he was, like, two or three years old. I put him up on the refrigerator, and I said, you have to find your way down. And that's, that's what I did as a teenager. And you would have wanted to beat me up, and so did his dad want to beat me up and then there was another time I was throwing the cat down the stairs and that was just a problem by itself throwing the cat down the stairs and then I said to my nephew I want to throw you down the stairs so I just started you know like just pretending like this and and, and he was getting a good little lift as he was looking down those stairs and I would just bring him back and do him like this and then his dad wanted to beat me up again am I telling the truth I'm telling the truth I had to have real like apology moments with my nephews as they got older they're like we hate you we don't like you at all. And I had to say, I'm sorry for that. So I was, like, really scared. When I'm, when I'm going to have a child, what is that going to be like? But the moment my baby was born, I became a father. Everything in my heart changed. I knew at that moment what I needed to start doing. The greatest words of love and expressions of emotions fail to fully describe what a good father experiences with his child during his lifetime. Just even on the way here, Brandon will tell you, We're listening to Lucas talk on the way here and my kids, and we start getting into tears 
Because he was already emotional. He has an amazing dad, and his father has preached for our Bible college when they used to live in Illinois. And just hearing my son talk brought him to tears, and then it brought me to tears. It is a life-changing experience, and words just fail to express anything other than that. And mothers, you already had your day, by the way. This is still for fathers. Because everybody's like, well, mothers love kids too. But I got to talk about fathers. Because, you know, a lot of men don't want to talk about their emotions. Dude, we want to talk about we cried on the way here. We want to be tough, don't we? Come on, let's be real. But, man, real men let their emotions out, man, in the right way, in the right way. Now, I want you to listen to this. The greatest thing a man will ever do in this life, in this life, is be a loving father. Being a president is a step down to being a father. You all hear that? What a father does for his children is the greatest thing he'll ever do in life. Never let your business come before your family. Never let uh, the pressures of this world take away what your first responsibility is. So many people have beautiful homes because they've worked hard, but they're never in them. And TV is raising their kids. And these men are out there. Well, yeah, they're working 20 hours a day, right? Only four hours of sleep. Got to burn the candle at both ends. But for what? So your kids can have a big house and never see you, Dad? We got to make sure we keep our kids and family first. Can I hear an amen to that? Now I've set you up for this. If that's the love an earthly father has, and I can attest to it, and my dad can attest to it, I want everyone here to try to imagine. Use your imagination and try to imagine the great love that God the Father has for humanity. What boundless emotion and deep connection he must feel towards us. The beloved apostle said in 1 John 4, 16, and so we know. Everybody say, I know this. And rely. Everybody say, I rely on this. On the love God has for us. I know God loves us. I rely upon the God, the love that God has for us. Why? Because God is, come on, somebody say, God is your Father in heaven is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Let us learn to rely upon that great love of the Father as we learn about him today. I want to know, do my kids know and rely upon the great love I have for them? Now listen to me. There is no doubt in my mind that I would not do, I would do anything for these kids. I, I, I can't even tell you what it was like the first time we had to take one of them to the hospital. And that is why the compassion that I have for children, uh, for parents and children who, who, who grow up sick or in illness, I can't think of a greater pain. Take my arm before my child has to go into that hospital. Are you listening to me? Pluck out my eye before they have to get an IV in that arm. Just, just, just torture me. I don't want to ever see my child or any child ever go through that. Hello. That's how much I love them. I wonder if God has a picture of you in heaven that he's looking at today going, that's how much I love you. I wonder if God has you on his heart today. The all-knowing, all-powerful God has you as his creation on his heart today. And though you may not see him, but he is madly in love with you. I wonder today if we can rely upon that, if we can just have enough faith to believe we're not alone on this rock planet called Earth. We're not alone in this deep, dark galaxy that there is a God who loves us and his heart is beating for us. Beating for us, his creation. Are you there in Matthew? 
Look at what it says. The first thing we learn about our Heavenly Father is that He has a kingdom. Matthew 6, 9 is the Our Father. Let's all pray it together. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father has a kingdom. I remember the first time I could start reading stuff around my house. I saw a big old golden football trophy on a shelf. And it literally was a big golden football. And below it, it said, to the coach of the Bears championship winner or the you know, championship for the Bears, you know, like 1972. And, and as I was getting older, I understood who the Bears were, you know. And then it had my, dad, my dad's name there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, my dad was the, the coach of the Bears, and they won a Super Bowl, and that's why this big golden football trophy is in our house. And I ran out that day, and I went and told my friend, everybody I could find, I could say, guess what, guys? I had to be about five or six, right, Dad? I said, I said guys, guess what? My dad coached the Chicago Bears, and they won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. And they didn't believe me. I said, I got a trophy in my house. You got to come look at this trophy. And they all came into my house, and they looked at it, and then they all started laughing at me. Because somewhere underneath there, it said, like, Kelly Park League, or where, where, what park was it, Dad? Do you remember? Youth League. Yeah, it said something like Youth League. They said, ha, 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 see, your dad wasn't the coach of the Chicago Bears. This was a park league. But it looked just like the, the trophy did. It was a big old trophy. But you know what? My dad was no less impressive in my eyes because he still was the best. My dad was the best. And I want to ask you a question. Is your heavenly father the best? Or is he just kind of so-so? You know, the devil's got some good stuff too. I like going over to his house. How many of you ever had a crazy uncle, crazy cousin, and you knew you could get away with stuff over there? Hello. I remember the first time I ever got drunk. Guess who gave it to me? My friend's parents. Friend's parents. Oh, yeah, you can drink. My dad don't let me drink at my house. You can drink here. See, do we really believe our Heavenly Father is that awesome? He has a kingdom. He created us for that kingdom. He loved us enough to give us a soul. You're not an animal. You have a conscious soul on the inside of you. You know things that animals don't know. How many are glad you're not an animal today sniffing your own uh, behind and eating your young? How many are glad you know things an animal don't know? Sometimes I have people introduce me to their dog, and they say, this is my son, and I want to go, and you, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is not your son. This is dinner. This is dinner if the walking dead really happens. This is our first meal. This is, help me out here. They're getting quiet on me because they want Fido to go to heaven. But Fido ain't making it. No, 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 no. Humanity is different than the animal kingdom. That's why you can eat them. Just think about that. And somebody says, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, until they can tell me to stop eating them, I'm going to keep eating them. You understand? Because they don't have a conscious mind where they're like, I can train this monkey to do science. I don't care what you can train him to do. Leave him in the jungle by himself, and if he can tell me to stop eating him, I'll stop. Other than that, I'm eating him if I get hungry enough. Why? Because it's an animal. 
It's an animal. You can be a vegan yoga pant wearing person if you want, but I'm going to be a man. I'm going to eat steak out there. We ain't, we, ain't have, we ain't having tofu meals for these fathers up here. Amen? I want men to be men again. And my father has a kingdom. And he's a real king. And he's so much better than the devil that he created light. And all the devil can do is imitate and try to be an angel of light. But he's not light. My God is light. The devil tries to give lust, but my God is love. The devil tries to give companionship, but my God gives everlasting friendship. At the end of the day, the devil's a liar and a false imitator. How great is your God? How great is your Father? The second thing that we learn about our Heavenly Father is that every good and perfect gift has come from Him because He's a good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Help me out. Come on. Woo! He's got a single good, good Father. Get it because it's good. Look at James 1.16. Don't be deceived. Everybody say, don't be deceived. See, Bill Maher will deceive you. Your friendly neighborhood atheists will deceive you. Even people in the media will deceive you. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. The number one reason why people become atheists or disbelievers in God is because of the problem of evil. If God is so good, why is there so much evil in this world? The first thing they don't understand, if there wasn't a God, you wouldn't have a definition of evil. The very fact that you have a definition of evil, you have the problem. Explain evil without a God. Because if there is not a God, everything goes. Nothing matters. So what? Well, why did God allow Hitler? So what? If there's not a God, let's do it again. Who's going to stop him? Hillary Clinton? Hello? Who's going to stop him? Oh, well, if, if God is so bad, why, do, why are children born sick? Why, well, why does it matter if children are born sick if there is no God? Kill them. You ever heard of euthanasia? Kill the handicapped. Kill the old. Take them down. The weak are meat in the animal kingdom. And if that evolutionary story is true, there is no such thing as morality. It's just a matter of opinion. Well, I like to treat my neighbor as myself, and I like to wear Gucci, okay? Well, I don't like to treat my neighbor as myself. I like to wear FUBU. Who's going to say one is better and one is worse? FUBU, Gucci, murder, not murder? Don't be deceived. Don't fall for those stupid tricks of the devil. There is a morality. There is a right and wrong. We know it in our conscience. And here's where we start. Anything good you or I have ever received, point back to God. Go, that was from him. That was from him. The love I felt in that time in my life, from him. How I got through that situation, from him. The wisdom that I have to perform my task, get an education, from him. From him, from him. Okay, evil, pain, suffering, don't be deceived. Not from him. Not from him. You know what the devil does? He's a bully. Devil will come and slap you upside the head, run away, and point at Jesus and say he did it. Devil brought sin here. Devil brought lies here. And we took it. We allowed him to come. I stood at Humboldt Park yesterday like I have for 11 years, and there ain't no red uh, devil running around making people shoot each other, being in gangs. It is still man choosing evil. That's why evil is here, my friends. Don't be deceived. You kick out the devil out your home, he'll have to go. There will be peace in your home. 
You kick out sin out of your life, there will be peace in your life. Every good and perfect gift has come from the Father because he's a good, good Father. It's who you are. You know, the next thing that we learn is that our Heavenly Father loves to adopt. I can't tell you what adoption means to me in words because I feel like in one sense I abandoned my family as a prodigal son and God had to bring me back. I can only imagine what it would feel like to be an actual orphan. I, I, what would that be like? And then for someone to bring you into their home and say your past no longer defines you. What people have said about you no longer defines you. I mean, if I felt good coming back home to my family after literally being kicked out at the age of 16 by that man because I kept doing and selling drugs in his house, I can only imagine what an orphan would feel like. Someone born to a mother that was on crack but had enough courage to not abort her baby, which is murder, and give it up for adoption. I applaud everyone that's ever gone through. I don't even care if it's rape. Why? Because you don't kill the innocent. Kill the rapist. Anybody here today? You kill the rapist, not the child in the womb. Now just think of this. We were sinners towards God. He made a garden and said, you can use this whole thing, but don't go against my will. And the first thing we see is going against the will of God. And then Adam and Eve have children. And then the children, the two brothers, I could get some amens from siblings on this. The brother murders his other brother. Hello, siblings. Come on, somebody talk to me. I mean, if you could have gotten away with it, hello, would you have done it? Y'all don't think you're that bad? I don't know, man. I know my kids may not want to murder each other, but they get mad. My, my, my daughters, I can tell their tone. I can already tell the tone, especially with the women, too, like the girls. Because you know like how a woman, when she's mad at you, she says your name in a certain way, you know? Like I can literally hear Bethany talking to Hannah. Hannah? Hannah, and I can hear that little tone. I'm like, oh, Bethany's mad. Bethany's getting, she's getting there. Oh, but you haven't murdered, but you ever punch? They're already punching each other in my home. I don't know, I'm not getting no amens from you guys. You guys are either liars or you're tired. Which one is it? Did anybody here ever punch their sibling? Anybody ever get upset with their sibling? Now think about this. God's very first grandchildren don't just punch each other. They murder. He murders him. And God is still saying to humanity, I love you. You've become a child of the devil. It's what we are without Christ. Don't lie to yourselves. Read the book of John. But he says, I'll adopt you. And you look at your life, man. This is where I look at my life and I go, Jesus, you sure you want me? I'm messed up now. I was on drugs. I was a high school dropout. And Jesus was like, I choose you. You can come home with me. And, and you, you see, when you look at that scripture, John 3, 16, it says God so loved the what? The world. That means he can adopt everybody because heaven's not a small little place. It's not one of those nice little neat condos down there by the lake where they just want 1.5 kids and don't go having more than two or three because you're going to get kicked out by the, the, by the association. Hello, somebody. God says, I got a lot of rooms up here. If it were not so, I would not have told you, but I go up there to prepare a place for you. And so this is where I want to ask the question to you. Do you know, number four, that Jesus was sent by the Father because the Father loved you so much? And have you accepted that great gift that Jesus is?
from the Father? Have you accepted the Father's love? Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That means if we don't believe in Jesus, we're not born again, we're going to perish. But Jesus came as a gift of the Father to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be adopted, continue to receive all of those good things, and one day be in his kingdom. The greatest gift the Father ever gave humanity was Jesus. And I want everyone to look up at me, please. That's the greatest gift, and I want to ask you a question. What do you want to do with that great gift? Because on Father's Day, I would hope that some of us would be motivated by the love of the Father and accept the greatest gift that he ever gave humanity, which was Jesus. Because if we look to Jesus today as our Savior, those of us who didn't have good fathers, you can have the best father in the whole world. And then those of us who have had great dads, one day I'm going to say goodbye to this dad should the normal thing of life happen, right? But I'll have a father that will never leave me nor forsake me. My dad remembers reading a scripture in the book of Psalms that said, when my mom and dad leave me, God, you'll never leave me. And my dad said as a Christian, he would read that and say, I don't understand that because my parents have always been good parents. They're not going to leave me. But I was there my, when my dad lost his dad. And he went into the den in our house, fell on his knees and started crying. You remember that? And I came right next to him on my knees and started crying with him. And afterward, he shared with me, now I understand what it means. Even good dads can't live forever. And he realized at that point, but his heavenly father was still going to walk with him, still going to be there for him. So Jesus is the gift to us from the Father that says all of us in fatherless homes, he's a, fatherless to the, he's a father to the fathers, all of us can now have that. And then to those of us who have had great dads, but no one day you're going to lose him, he's the father that never leaves. Can I get you to stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on, give the Father a hand clap of praise. We love you, Father. We thank you for sending Jesus. Band, would you come? Altar workers, would you come, please? We love you, Jesus. Would you pray with me in closing now? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We ask you now to make Jesus alive in our hearts, Father. Oh, may we sense his presence here today. May we know that we're not alone in this world, that we can be adopted brought into your family. Oh, Father, we ask you to make Jesus real to us today. Altar workers, come quickly, quickly, quickly. There are many of you here today that need to know Jesus. You need to come know Jesus so that you can get closer to your Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. No one. No one. No one gets to the Father except by Jesus. No other way. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Are you here today needing Jesus? I know I did. 1995, I needed him to forgive me, to cleanse me, and give me away to the Father. It's been 20 years of walking with him. He said that when I get to know him, the Father would come and make his, his, heart, he would, his home in my heart. 
by the Holy Spirit. And so I know the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit. But it starts with knowing Jesus. Jesus brings us to the Father, and the Holy Spirit abides with us and gives us their presence. Every head bowed, looking at your heart right now, eyes closed to remove distractions. Do you know Jesus? The gift of the Father to save your soul, to save your soul and make you whole. Do you know Jesus? Because until you know Jesus, you can never say that I really know a good, good Father like like God. You can't know God until you know Jesus, His Son. If right now you want to get to know Jesus, would you just repent of your sins and say, forgive me, Jesus, for not living for you, for hanging out with the devil, the traitor of heaven? Come into my heart, Jesus, and bring the Father's kingdom with you, please. May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Start right here with me. Start right now. Start in my heart. Start in my heart, Jesus. Bring the Father to me so that one day I can go to him. 30 more seconds. Those of you who are praying, pray like you mean it. Pray like you mean it. It's not a library. And I'm not Father Tom. We're not doing this in a dark closet today in three Hail Marys. It's between you and your creator. He's a good God. He'll hear you if you mean business. If you just want to be religious, that don't do nothing. But if you want to be real with him right now, he'll come through Jesus because he loves you. He loves you and me. He loves you and me. He's waiting for you to let him in. He's waiting for you to open up your heart and say, Jesus, come in and bring the Father. Jesus, forgive me. I'm tired of doing things on my own. I want to live for you. I want to be in your kingdom one day. Start now. 15 more seconds. You will be born again. You will get a second chance at life. Like many of your friends getting baptized, that's why they're getting baptized. They're symbolizing they've been given a new life. They're coming out of the womb of the baptism tank in water, like the water breaking in a woman's womb, and they're coming out a new creation. That's what this is symbolizing. You can do it now in your heart. I want to follow Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. We say that to God the Father. No man, no man, but to God the Father. God the Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I'm coming home. Would you adopt me? Would you take me home with you today? Should I die? I want to be yours. Amen. Would you look up at me now before we close? I want to tell you what we're going to do out here today. The fathers are going to be served first. There are tables set in front of the baptism tank for them. They're going to make a line out here going out the back door. Chris, will you make sure the pathway is cleared, please? Thank you. Would you go and do that now? The food will be given to the fathers. They can sit down at the table. We're going to prepare that for you just to bless you guys. Afterwards, everyone else can come and get hot dogs. I'm sorry, but that's the best we can do. And... Uh, then the baptismal people, you can begin to change. We have a bathroom here, so please don't use the bathroom unless you absolutely have to because we need baptism people to get changed because we got 25 to baptize today. And then we're going to go out and eat and have fun. But before we do, 
Someone, someone say, before we do, thank you. I'm going to invite you guys to come and pray with us and worship with Brandon before we go, especially those who want to ask Jesus into their heart and make it right. So if you're good with God and you're ready to go on with the day, when we dismiss in just a moment, that will be awesome for you to do that. But if you want to make some time to get it right with God or just after party in his presence or have one of our prayer workers pray for a need in your life, especially if you want to just help connecting, we want to do that with you because that's important. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is an awesome father. You have two beautiful children, Jeremiah and Isaac, a prophet and a patriarch. I've watched you grow up as a father. When I first met you, I called you the awkward one. You would just walk around, keep to yourself. But as you have become a father and married, your personality has exploded. And now I see all of my kids love you. And you have become a friend of children. And as a minister, there's no other greater compliment. You know why? Because Jesus was a friend of children. Scary preachers, children don't want to be around. But those who have big hearts, they love to be around because they remind them of Jesus. Would you pray for everyone and their families today? Father, we thank you that you set the example for us, Lord, that you so love the world. You are a good father. You're a loving father. You are a kind father. You are a generous father. You are a patient father. You, you, you are perfect in all of your ways. And you're everything I want to be. And you're everything, Lord, that we want to be today, Lord, as a father and, and, and as your creation, Lord. We love and bless you. Father, I pray that the words that were preached this morning will draw everyone closer to you or conform everyone more to be more like Jesus and will cause us to fall more in love with you and to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Father. He's worthy. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you out there or right here. Oh, come and sing it with us if you want to hang out.
There's a fountain flowing deep. 